This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec, the podcast that keeps you updated and educated. Hello and welcome to Tech Guide, episode 509. Great to have your company on the show. My name is Stephen Fennec. I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. On this week's show, it's 15 years since the first iPhone went on sale. Apple Watch will tell you if you're running a fever with the release of Series 8. And Bowers and Wilkins has released its latest noise-canceling headphones. In the Tech Guide reviews, we take a listen to the Astell & Kern UW100 wireless earphones. Philips Pico projector allows you to enjoy your movies and games anywhere on a grander scale. And Uniden's new car kit means you can take your radio anywhere. And we'll answer all of your tech questions in the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, the company that keeps you connected, and Norton, the company that keeps you protected. Well, cast your mind back to... 2007 what were you doing then what phone did you own then because that's when the first iphone went on sale steve jobs unveiled the phone during a keynote in january it's january 9th actually 2007 and it went on sale in the u.s on june 29 2007 since then more than 2.2 billion iPhones have been sold globally. And if you, if you do remember 2007, you'll also remember that Australia didn't get the iPhone in that first year. Australia got the iPhone the following year. In 2008 was when the iPhone officially went on sale. But that didn't stop people like myself from buying the iPhone, and unlocking it for use on the Australian networks. I, uh, a, a friend of mine from uh, a telco uh, helped me jailbreak the phone. At the time, I was uh, on the Optus network, and I can still recall once he'd run the jailbreak, the phone restarted, and I can still recall seeing in the top corner, it said, yes, Optus. And that's when I realised, hey, I'm using an iPhone in Australia. Now, the, there, was, there were some uh, teething problems with that as well, though. And a few other people that I knew also did what I did. But you've got to remember, back then, pre-iPhone, the pre-iPhone in Australia, at least, our plans were only built around talk and text. There was no data component. And having an iPhone, as you know now, it uses a lot of data because you can, the browser on it was just like unlike any other browser we'd seen. There were the apps were using data. And a few friends of mine uh, were reporting uh, bills that were a couple of thousand dollars <laughs> because their network data back then on the cellular network was like gold it was it was very expensive but yeah the just the, the launch of this product 
I can remember when on the day of the keynote, I was I was in the US, but I was not actually in San Francisco because that was the year, one of the years when Macworld, which was the event that Apple used to attend to make their big announcements every January, Macworld and the Consumer Electronics Show, which I go to every January, it was one of those rare years where those two events actually clashed. So what, what I'd normally do, and I'd done this before and after 2007, I would attend the Consumer Electronics Show, then head over to San Francisco from Vegas, and then attend Macworld. In this instance, Macworld was on at the same time as CES, and I'd already accepted it, the trip to CES, and so was covering this from Las Vegas. And pre-Consumer Electronics Show, a couple of days before the show starts, there's a day called Press Day where every company, the major companies, has a press conference. On the hour, there's a new press conference. So you, all, all these other companies can tell you about what you, you can expect to see at the show and, and beyond. And Macworld that day, the day Steve Jobs announced the iPhone on two, in 2007 was on that day. It was on media day. And I don't think anyone went. I think everyone was just watching the keynote and watching this incredible announcement of the iPhone. And you, you got to remember, cast your mind back to that time when the best phones we had were made by Nokia and BlackBerry and the, the, there was nothing, the, there was small screens and the smartphone really hadn't didn't exist yet. The closest you, you, you got was to, to a smartphone was a BlackBerry. With, which had a big physical keyboard and a, a, a not even a touch screen on it. So you can just imagine when Steve Jobs got up on stage, and you can, you can watch this on YouTube, when he announced the multi-touch display. When he just flicked his finger and all those contacts started rolling up, and when he pinched and zoomed in on a photo, it was everyone was just gas, gasping in disbelief because it was a, an amazing bit of technology at the time. Now we take that for granted. You show someone an iPhone now and every phone can do that. It's it's something that we that's we take for granted. But back then, this was an incredible development. And I, I like the fact that where during the keynote, he initially announced that they were having three products. I think it was a touchscreen, a phone, a touchscreen iPod and an internet communicator. And then he said, are you getting it? That's not three products. It's one product and we're calling it iPhone. Legendary keynote. Anyway, fast forward to June 2007. And by launch day, outside many Apple stores in the US, including the Fifth Avenue store in New York, anyone who's ever been there, it's the big the glass cube that's on top of, the, on top of Fifth Avenue there. There had been a line that had been forming to buy the iPhone for a week. And we then, every year, the iPhone line became something that we expected outside Apple stores or whenever there was a new iPhone to sell. Our first iPhone was released in July 2008, and it was the iPhone 3G. Because you've got to remember, the original iPhone was a 2G device had no front camera, no rear flash, was a sealed battery. Not many phones back then 
had was sealed. So the battery, you could normally access a battery. You just pop open the back of your Nokia and you can pull out the battery and replace it if you have to. It had no expandable memory and a 3.5-inch display. And I can still remember the first time I laid eyes on it, it was released in, in June 07 in, in the US, June 29. And I can remember going to the, uh, to the gaming expo, to E3, the Electronic Entertainment Expo, which that year was based in Santa Monica. Normally, it's in the it's in downtown LA. This year, they made it. They, they decided they, it's going to be hosted in several hotels along along the waterfront there in Santa Monica. And I remember the minute I checked into the hotel, I raced up to the Third Street Promenade Apple Store, and that was the first time I'd ever seen the iPhone. Held it in my hand, used it, and it was it it lived up to all my expectations. Now another big development was took place a year later and this is probably this is what cemented the iPhone as the device that changed everything and that was the App Store because initially when the phone was released in 07 there was no App Store it was only a year later in 2008 when the App Store was launched around the same time that Australia got their first iPhone so it was great timing for us because new phone and you can buy apps and download free apps and use that as well. That too was an incredible development, the being able to just download an application for this little portable computer that was had this incredible multi-touch display. I can remember showing people this. I had my iPhone in 07 and showing people the iPhone it was like I was David Copperfield. They were absolutely amazed. They could not believe it. I had people lining up at my desk. I used to work at was working at News Limited at the time, lining up to see it and to touch it and to use it. That's how big this was. And that was, would you believe, 15 years ago. The iPhone, of course, has come a long way and we're seeing the evolution of the phone over the years has been quite the journey. We've seen everything from, it went from 2G to 3G to 4G. The capacities increased. That first iPhone, the memory capacity initially, uh, so at launch, there was a 4 gigabyte and 8 gigabyte capacities. Later that year, or early the next year, I think it was, they released a 16 gig capacity as well. But then, yeah, as I said, the, the cameras got better. The, the, the camera on the initial iPhone was a two megapixel camera with no flash. Then we moved up to 3G, the 3GS, the 4. 4 was the introduction of Siri. No, sorry, 4 was the introduction of the Retina display. That, and then it moved up to a three megapixel camera. The 4S was the introduction of Siri in 2011. And the camera moved up to a five megapixel with rear flash and a front facing camera with a 0.3 megapixel. The iPhone 5 in 2012 was the first one to have a larger display. So, up until then, it was a 3.5 inch display. So, that's what's that? Nearly five. So, five years has been 3.5 inch. At the time, Android phones had obviously become popular and their screen sizes were going nuts. So Apple decided four-inch screen for the iPhone 5. The iPhone 5S was the first device, the first iPhone to have Touch ID. 
So the home button suddenly became a fingerprint reader. Uh, then it was on to the 6 and the 6 Plus. That's when Apple went big. 4.7-inch screen and 5.5-inch displays. 2014, by the way, was also the year that the uh, Apple Watch was announced. Uh, it went on sale in early 2015. But I remember I was at that event in uh, in California, in Cupertino, when they announced the 6. That was also the event where the U2 uh, performed and where everyone got a free album, but people weren't happy about getting a free album. There was a bit of controversy around that. Uh, then we had the 6S, 6S Plus. Uh, they also, the following year was the 7 and 7 Plus, and I think that was the first year the iPhone 7 was the year the headphone jack was removed, which everyone thought was crazy at the time, but then suddenly other brands were doing the exact same thing. Uh, I think the iPhone 8, I think the 7 was the first one that had water-resistant, the water-resistant build. Then we had the iPhone 8. So 2017 was an interesting year because we had the iPhone 8 and then the iPhone 8 Plus, so 4.7 and 5.5, but that was also the year that Apple introduced the iPhone 10, so the X, and that had a 5.8-inch display, no home button, and that was also the introduction of Face ID. So that was a massive shift there as well. That continued, so we saw the the iPhone XR, the iPhone 11 was launched in 2019, uh, so and that introduced the first triple camera system uh, of on the phone. We also saw the eleven. The, there was also the eleven Pro that was also uh, became the Pro was another model, and then more recently we've seen uh, the twelve, and then the twelve Pro and twelve Pro Max. Last year we had the thirteen Mini, and then the thirteen thirteen, then the thirteen Pro and thirteen Pro Max. And the 14, which we're expecting in September, will have the, there'll be the 14, there'll be the 14 Plus, then there'll be the 14 Pro and the 14 Pro Max. 14 Pro, 14 Pro Max will likely not have a notch. There'll just be a, a smaller, small hole punches at the top of the screen. 14 and the 14 Plus will still have the notch, that's that, and that will have two camera systems, and the Pro 14 and the 14 Pro Max will have triple camera systems as well. So, yeah, the iPhone certainly has come a long way. And, of course, Android uh, also sort of running parallel to all this as well. We're seeing the the development there as well. But it was the iPhone that really kicked it off. It got the ball rolling 15 years ago, can you believe? You've probably got kids that are younger than that, that have literally had iPhones their whole life. But it's uh, remarkable that it was, uh, it's was. it been that, that long already. 15 years has gone by in a flash. And before we know it, we're going to be seeing the latest iPhone as well in mid-September. If you want to check out that timeline, there's all that, all the information about the evolution of the phone is also on Tech Guide too. I urge you to check it out. So if you want to do that, head over to techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. Still on Apple, there's um, some solid rumours circulating about the Apple Watch Series 8. Now, as far as we know, the design will not be changing. It's going to stay... Uh, similar or identical to what we've seen today. Probably be a, a chip improvement. There'll be the new OS on board as well. There's also word that there's going to be a rugged version of the Apple Watch. So there's the, there'll be the normal Apple Watch Series 8 and a rumoured new rugged edition of Apple Watch aimed at serious athletes, extreme athletes, those who 
were are normally a Garmin kind of a, a one of those sort of customers where they want something a bit more sturdy, a little bit more uh, with features that suit their style of, of running and hiking and out, outdoor activity. So that's uh, that that's what's what's likely to happen. But the rumored feature for the new Apple Watch is supposedly a new body temperature sensor and basically can tell you if you're running a fever. So this this comes from Bloomberg. They reported this. They said that if you, in their story, they said if you have an elevated body temperature, it won't actually give you your exact temperature reading. Instead, it will provide a notification that you've got an elevated temperature, that you should use a thermometer or see a doctor about that. Normal body temperature is 36 to 37 degrees Celsius based on your age. The most common causes for an elevated body temperature could be uh, viral respiratory infections like COVID, like colds, like the flu, an ear infection, gastroenteritis, among others, but is an indication that there's something wrong, that something your body's fighting something. Now, the new body temperature feature is apparently in its final stages of internal testing, ready to be included on Apple Watch Series 8. And this obviously joins other health features you can already find on Apple Watch. There's the fall detection, the ECG, the blood oxygen monitoring, 24-7 heart rate monitoring. There's also notifications if you have abnormally high or low heart rates as well. So it's really gaining its credentials, increasing its credentials as a health and wellness device, as are other smartwatches. We're going to talk uh, next week about the new Huawei watch that can actually take your blood pressure, not monitor your blood pressure, but take your blood pressure. I'm currently reviewing that now. But uh, on Apple's side here, this is yet another feature that will make this a valuable tool in tracking your health and your wellness and to maybe head off any kind of serious things uh, that, that may be happening health-wise with, with features like this, knowing that if your body temperature is elevated, you get that notification, you might be able to head off a possible flu or COVID or whatever you have, maybe head that off at the pass, maybe get get uh, get yourself ready. But yeah, this is a rumour, not confirmed yet. Uh, not not many changes I, I foresee for the, the Apple Watch Series 8. It is, it is going to be, I think, a some minor improvements. Physically, I think it'll be identical. There will be a faster chip. There'll be the Watch OS 9, I think we're up to now, uh, and also this new body temperature feature as well, the body temperature sensor. If you want to find out more about that feature of the Apple Watch, you may have an Apple Watch. And here's the thing. I don't think if you have an existing Apple Watch, I don't think it need, it's going to be something you can just gain with a software update because there, there is a, a new sensor on board that is required to take that body temperature reading. So yeah, you'll have to upgrade to the Series 8, Apple Watch Series 8, if you're desperate for that feature. If you want to check it out, you can do that at techguide.com.au. Bowers and Wilkins uh, put me down as a fan. I'm a fan of their earphones, their headphones. I remember reviewing the previous model of uh, noise-cancelling wireless headphones, and they've just released the PX7S2. Now, these are their new noise-cancelling wireless headphones. 
which I've only just received them, so I'm really not in a position to give you my full review, but let's just, let me just say that they are better than the previous model somehow. They've, they've managed to improve it. They have uh, created a very impressive replacement for the award-winning PX7. That was the previous model that I've, I've reviewed on Tech Guide. And Bowers & Wilkins is one of those audio engineering companies that are very well respected. They really take their audio seriously. They're for the serious audio file. That customer who, who doesn't mind shelling out a little bit more knowing they're going to get this incredible experience, this amazing audio quality. And that is exactly what the PX7S2, that's what it delivers. It's got a new profile and construction being designed, of course, for comfortable wear for long periods of time. Overall, it's a little bit slimmer. The, the shape of it is a bit slimmer and lighter. Uh, it does have the beautiful soft ear pads that are, that are really nice, uh, very, very comfortable. And the, and the headband as well. So it really does enclose and cushion your ears beautifully. The headband also very soft. Now, under the hood, the PX7S2 has, uh, it delivers its high-res audio through new custom-designed 40-millimeter drive units. Now, these were created specifically for this model, for headphone listening. They offer fast response, so reproducing all those tiny little details of every song, yet having extremely low distortion. So the result of that is accurate, high-resolution audio. Another thing they've done too is the position of the drive units were also considered here. Now what they've done, they've angled the the units inside each ear cup. And what that does, it keeps the driver unit at a consistent distance from your ear. So at every point across the surface of the driver, it allows for a more natural and immersive sound. So that little adjustment is, uh, makes a big difference. Also on board, if uh, we, we know high-res audio is a thing here, Qualcomm's APTX adaptive wireless technology. So what this does, it creates an even better and more consistent and reliable connection between the headphones and compatible phones, tablets, and computers. Because we've seen in the past, the Wi-Fi component is the weak link. There wouldn't be an a few years ago. There wouldn't have been an audio file caught dead. We're listening wirelessly. There was always a cable involved to maintain the strength of that signal and that the quality of the audio. But now, uh, thanks to the APTX adaptive wireless technology, uh, that does deliver that kind of quality wirelessly. Now, uh, also under the hood uh, is the new Bowers and Wilkins DSP, the Digital Signal Processing. Uh, can handle 24-bit high resolution, so it delivers that kind of quality from compatible streaming services even now. And you also have the option of connecting, I mentioned cables before, to connect a USB-C or a 3.5mm cable, which are included with the headphones, so you do get uh, that quality. Now, noise cancellation, uh, they've managed to improve it. They use their proprietary noise cancelling technology that shuts out, really cancels out that ambient sound, but yet without affecting the quality of the music. We'll talk about how another brand does that, the uh, Astell & Kern earphones in the review section. But each one has their little idiosyncrasies. And with Bowers & Wilkins, they've got six high-performance microphones that work together to give you the best results. So two measure the output of each drive unit, two react to the ambient noise, and the other two provide voice clarity. Because they're always thinking about calls here. Because calls... 
that's one thing I really like about the latest headphones and earphones. They take calls into account because we, we've got them connected to our phones. And of course, we get a call. We want that to sound good as well. Now, these are the first headphones to work directly with the new Bowers and Wilkins Music app as well. You can use them to pair the PX7S2 to a mobile device. And also, there's an adjustable EQ, so you can fine-tune the sound as well. You can also include the noise-canceling transparency mode, so you can uh, hear what's going on around you when you're in that mode. And you can also see your charge level as well, your battery level. There will be an update, though, in the coming months that will allow you to stream your favourites music service directly from the app. It's a little bit like Sonos lets you do that. So Bowers and Wilkins are going to do that as well. So you can deliver it directly through the app to the PX7 S2 from your mobile device. Handy thing that will be. The PX7 S2 from Bowers and Wilkins, they're available now. They're priced at $599.95 from the Bowers and Wilkins website and also from selected dealers. So don't forget you're getting active noise cancellation, the new music app uh, for your setup and control, 30 hours of battery life too, by the way. That's really impressive from a single charge. USB-C and 3.5mm cables included, available in grey, blue and black. You can see all of those colours on our website. I particularly like the blue colour, blue with the gold writing and gold highlights. Looks really smart and sounds really smart as well. Stay tuned to Tech Guide. We're going to have a review probably next week or the following week on the podcast as well as on the Tech Guide website as well. But if you want to take an early look, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. Keeping you updated and educated. Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by Netgear. They're Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. If your home demands superior Wi-Fi, treat it with a masterpiece in connectivity. Bring your Wi-Fi up to speed with the Orbi Wi-Fi 6E from Netgear. Orbi Wi-Fi 6E is the first and only Wi-Fi 6 quad-band whole home mesh system, opening an exclusive all-new 6 gigahertz superhighway that's fine-tuned to deliver unprecedented Wi-Fi speeds and smoother streaming simultaneously across the smart homes of today and tomorrow. It's Wi-Fi perfectly engineered. Wi-Fi 6E, the fastest Wi-Fi ever. Find out more at netgear.com.au forward slash best Wi-Fi. And now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennec. We're talking a fair bit about audio today, and in the our, our Tech Guide review, we're kicking that off with the Astell and Kern UW100 earphones. Now, a lot of you might not have even heard of Astell and Kern, but you will want to hear these earphones. I've got to say, among the best I've ever heard. Remarkable. And what's even more remarkable is their approach to delivering that audio, which is a little departure, sort of different to other brands, which I find really interesting as well. Now, these are in the same ballpark, in my opinion, as the Bose, Sony's and Sennheiser's when we're talking audio quality. They offer embedded high-performance 32-bit DAC, that's digital to analog converter. They include balanced armature driver as well. 
usually th- th- that sort of structure is usually found in in-ear monitors, which um, is used by professional musicians and, and, and audio technicians. Now, what they do, though, Astell and Kern, they do things a little differently. One example is the 32-bit DAC chipset. The DAC chipset is not integrated with the Bluetooth chipset as it is with other earphones. That's, that's normally the procedure. So what this means is that rather than making connectivity and the low power consumption the priority, having them separate means the priority is on the better audio quality, which is what you get. So there's no compromise on the audio quality because it's not piggybacking the Bluetooth chipset. That's separate. Now, because they use that balanced armature driver instead of a dynamic driver, that, 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 that dynamic drivers use in other true wireless headphones, it does achieve that clearer and crisper sound. Another departure too, this is a, another feature that's done differently, uh, especially earphones in this price range, is the use of passive noise isolation instead of active noise cancellation. And there is a difference. The What Astell and Kern has done with the UW100s They've reduced noise physically through the seal created with the silicon ear tips. Now, it is, they're designed to, to angle into your ears really well to create that seal. So it means the physical features of the earphones are retaining the audio quality. So that, that the balanced armature driver, all of those things are working to retain the audio quality without any interference from the software that's trying to attenuate the sound. So there's no software trying to tweak and remove any other outside noise. It's all dedicated to the audio, to the, to what you're listening to, rather than it trying to take out the noise and that possibly affecting the sound quality. Now, I've got to say, the level of noise cancellation, let's be frank, is not up to scratch. It's not up to par, let's say, with other brands. It's good, but not as good as Bose and Sony and Sennheiser and those other brands who use active noise cancellation. But what it manages to do, it can still eliminate ambient mid and high range sounds. They're the what the main offenders that get away that get in the way of your music, and it can just passively can can get rid of most of those. It's not going to match it, as I said, with the others, but I'd, I found that it was enough. What this offered was enough for me to still hear my music clearly and crisply and, and as it's intended to be from the artist. Now, there is an ambient mode as well, I should mention, which uses microphones to let in the outside world. So there is some kind of active noise cancellation happening, but it's only for calls. So it's, it doesn't use that for your music because your calls are your calls. It's the quality of that, while it's good, it doesn't have to be the quality of the music, even though call quality is still pretty impressive, I have to say. But the music is untouched. The audio quality that you're hearing is untouched. And I think you, you will, you'll definitely hear the quality there. Now, design-wise, I've got to say, a little bit bigger than normal. So slightly larger than your average earphones. I don't know whether it's we've got big ears, but I found them a nice fit. 
I was able to to put them in and twist them into place, and the the angle of the ear ear tip was perfectly uh, it went into my our ears, and and the passive seal of the silicon tips created that really well. So the outside world it just disappeared. But word of warning, they're not going to suit everyone. For some people, these are going to be too big. So if your ears are on the smaller side, maybe not the right fit. But for us, at our big ears, it was it was a perfect fit. The uh, Astellon Kern UW100 also support APTX uh, for wireless 24-bit sound quality. Remember we spoke about that with the Bowers and Wilkins. They do support the 24-bit sound quality thanks to the APTX support. And they also have Bluetooth 5.2 on board. And they also support multi-point and multi-pairing. So you can pair them to multiple devices and switch quickly between them. For example, you might be listening on your phone and you might want to switch to a tablet and vice versa. Say you get a call on your phone, you want to switch back to answer the call. It does that really quickly. That's the multi-point, multi-pairing there. Uh, calls were also pretty clear, as I said, thanks to the, the noise reduction, but also the voice communication package that sort of reduces that outside noise. So as I said, that's the only area where noise is actively cancelled during calls, not while playing music. You can also customise the controls on the on the bottom half of the earphones. Very easy to access them because there's that ridge design. It's really easy to find the lower half of the earphones thanks to that design. And you can configure that all through the AKTWS companion app. There's also some equaliser settings that if you want to go to the trouble, but oh, oh, we didn't bother. The Astell & Kern UW100 earphones have a minimum of six hours playback. Uh, and the reason that they have a minimum of six hours and, and much longer because they're not using battery power for the noise cancellation. It's passive, remember, so you are getting more. There is another 18 hours in your pocket as well with the case, slightly larger than other cases because, as I said, these are slightly larger earphones as well, but a that the, the case provides the other 18 hours. There's a fast charge mode as well, so you get an hour of playback from just a 10 minute charge so if you want to go out and run go to the gym and you haven't charged them 10 minute charge you got an hour of playback the astell and kern uw 100 earphones they're 399 bucks and i'm very impressed with these you can read our full review but uh they do things differently but produce great audio at the same time. They can match audio quality with other brands, but it's not quite as we know it, how they do it. It is it is different, but does still sound great. If you want to read our complete review, check it out at techguide.com.au. Portable projectors seem to be even more popular nowadays. Earlier this year, uh, back in, in January, we saw Samsung's Freestyle projector, which was one of the more popular products we saw at the Consumer Electronics Show this year. Uh, but now we're seeing yet another, and this is the Philips PicoPix Max TV. This is a go-anywhere projector that can provide a 120-inch picture. So great if you want to watch your, watch your content, you want to stream something, watch YouTube, play a game, 
Well, up to you. You can do that. It is powered by the Android TV operating system. So anyone who's got an Android TV will know what I'm talking about. Easy access to apps, easy access to all your streaming services, uh, pretty much uh, similar, almost exact operating system uh, as we've seen on other Android TVs. Uh, also has a 2.1 channel audio on board. Uh, Quality-wise, you're looking at 1080p, which is a true full HD resolution. Coming through, so the, the LED uh, projector has actually a four-channel LEDs and a TIDLP cinema technology chip, which looks after the color and all of that and can be viewed up to 120 inches. So you can set this up pretty much anywhere and then access Netflix, Amazon Prime, Disney Plus, includes also uh, Google Assistant and Chromecast. Uh, and the beauty of having a Google TV, operating Android TV operating system is you've got access to the Google Play Store, which means you can get to your KO apps and Binge and all those other apps that aren't on every TV but are available on the Play Store. There's also a built-in battery. So this is a really handy one because... The Freestyle from Samsung didn't have a built-in battery. It needed to be connected to power. If you did want to use it wirelessly, you would have had to get a a pretty solid battery with a decent, like a laptop-quality battery that's powerful enough to charge a laptop. That had to be doing the heavy lifting to make the Freestyle a wireless device. The Pico from Philips, the Pico Pix Max TV, has a built-in battery, so it can do... It can perform by itself, so no need to source another battery at extra cost. The battery is built in and at full charge can run for up to four hours. That's a lot of binging, probably a couple of movies in there as well. Four hours worth, yeah, that's uh, on one battery charge. Pretty good. If you want to, if you've got power, of course, you can connect it to power. That's another option. Setup is also too pretty simple here. You can do that. It's got an AI-driven autofocus, so it focuses the image automatically. Also has auto keystone correction. I think that's one of the most important features on a projector of this kind. What that does, once you beam the image up to the wall, sometimes you're seeing the, the, top, the top half of the picture is, is narrower than the bottom half of the picture. So you're getting kind of a, a parallelogram kind of look to it. Uh, with the auto keystone correction, that snaps into place and makes it a proper rectangle again uh, and gives you that much sharper, straighter image every single time. It's even got the multiple image correction and four-corner correction as well. So that's the last thing you want on a portable projector to be stuffing around with the settings. It, it just goes boom, it just snaps and works every single time, which is, uh, uh, that's what you want. Uh, Audio-wise, there are two 12-watt built-in 2.1 speakers with dedicated digital signal processing, DSP. So the result is pretty decent picture quality, but also pretty good sound quality too, and with respectable bass. The, the, the point one part is the, sub, the little built-in subwoofer, so you do get some nice bass response there as well. And you know what? You can also use this as a speaker. So the projector is off. You can use it in boombox mode because there is Bluetooth on board, Bluetooth 5.0, and you can run that for up to 10 hours when the projector is turned off. So it is like a speaker as well when you're not watching something. You might might be the middle of the day, you you got nowhere to project it, and if you did, you're not going to see it very well because it's daytime. But you can listen to your tunes through that 2.1 12-watt speakers, which is pretty handy also. 
Now, let's talk connectivity. You can connect it to a laptop or a smartphone or your favorite gaming console thanks to the low 16 millisecond input lag. It also has 60 hertz refresh rate. So looking good. Users can connect via a HDMI or a USB-C video cable, which come in the box. So no need to spend any more money there. The Philips PicoPix Max TV, it's priced at $1,499, which is a couple of hundred bucks more expensive than the Samsung Freestyle. Uh, you got to remember this has the battery built in, remember, no, no battery in the Samsung. So battery included, four hours battery life. That's probably why it's a bit more expensive. They're both uh, full HD as well, by the way. Samsung doesn't do 4K, neither does Philips. They both do full high definition. Uh, the Philips Pico Max, Pico Pick Max TV, $14.99. You can get it through JB Hi-Fi online. And if you want to take a look at it for yourself, feel free to head over to techguide.com.au. Now, I'm not sure whether, are you an outdoors person? You like getting out there? Uh, I know Uniden, uh, a lot of their customers, I know Uniden make cameras and all kinds of products, but a very popular part of their portfolio are their C, their UHF handheld radios. Uh, so if anyone's out and about, this is very popular to take with you. Now, the Uniden X-Track 50 is a very popular UHF handheld radio that's been out for a little while already. But now you can turn it into a fully functional in-vehicle radio with the release of the Uniden ACCX50 car kit. So I don't know whether you're into off-roading, whether you're four-wheel drive or you drive a work vehicle or run a fleet of cars. The waterproof X-Track 50 can now be used inside your car, hands-free now as well, with the installation of the ACCX X50 car kit. That's ACCX50 car kit from Uniden. Now, the radio is uh, nice, got a nice big OLED screen on it. And really, this does open up a lot more flexibility. So with the radio now being able to be used not only on its own, but also between vehicles. The accessory kit includes uh, an Australian first one-touch instant replay button. So you, you can record and replay up to four minutes of recent messages from as far back as six minutes earlier. So if you've missed something, might be some noisy surroundings or whatever you happen to be doing, you can have that instant replay. That's a first. So for up to four minutes of recent messages, you can hear back through that feature. Uh, the X-Track 50 from Uniden also has a range of up to 17 kilometres. So you can think who would be using this if you're, you, you might be, you might live on a massive property. So rather than having to call people, you can, there's possibly not even a cellular network out there. You've got a Uniden X-Track 50, you can radio each other quite well. Uh, with the UHF accessory car kit, users can mount the X-Track 50 in their car in any vehicle, so you can easily see that large anti-glare OLED display. The radio has 5 watts of power, 80 UHF channels, and a smart key so you can switch between instant channel, monitor call tone, or equaliser. The onboard battery lasts up to 30 hours 
So easy way to stay in touch anywhere for up to 30 hours. That's a long time. The Uniden X-Track 50 5-watt waterproof smart UHF handheld radio with that large OLED display uh, and the instant replay function that's on the radio, by the way, not through the car kit, that's already on the radio. That is priced at $329.95. The car kit, so the Uniden ACCX50 UHF accessory car kit, which includes the charger, the magnetic bracket, and an, and an antenna for the X-Track 50 series is priced at $129.95. So to be clear, to have all of that, you need the radio, which is $329.95, the X-Track 50, and the ACCX50 UHF accessory kit, which is an additional $129.95. So you're up for about $460 for the whole lot. You want to check that out. If you're an outdoors person or using radios in your line of work, then this is something you should seriously should consider. The Uniden, the new car kit, and also the uh, X-Track 50 radio, which is uh, no slouch, that radio. Uh, you can check all of that out at techguide.com.au. You're listening to Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by Norton. They're the company that can keep you and your family safe online. The dark web is an underground part of the web that isn't searchable from regular search engines. It's where cyber criminals buy and sell illicit items and stolen personal information like bank account details, home addresses, credit card information and more. Norton 360 Premium includes dark web monitoring which searches the dark web markets for your personal detail and if discovered, it will notify you. The Norton 360 Premium has multiple layers of protection for your devices, online privacy like a secure VPN, and dark web monitoring, all in a single solution. With real-time threat protection to help protect you and your devices from existing and emerging online threats, there's also parental control to help manage your kids' online time, there's school time to manage your child's remote learning, a password manager to generate, store and manage your passwords and other credentials more securely, safe cam for PC and SMS security too. Norton 360 Premium for PCs, Macs, smartphones or tablets is available online at au.norton.com or an electrical retailer. All your tech questions answered. This is the Tech Guide Help Desk. The Tech Guide Help Desk is brought to you by Belkin, our good friends, belkin.com forward slash au. They are the company, if you want cables, if you want a smartwatch protector, the Apple Watch protector to protect your your screen, or you might want cables, a a power bank, MagSafe accessories, you name it, you'll find it at belkin.com forward slash au. Now, there's no shortage of talk about the NBN and it's now come a time where people can upgrade their current service, whether it's fibre to the node, fibre to the curb, can now get that upgraded to fibre to the premises. Now, if you're happy with your connection right now, like I've got fibre to the curb, and I can, I can get 100 megabits per second down, 40 megabits per second up, which I think for 90% of people is fine. Uh, But now if you wanted to go bigger, you wanted to go faster, there is a way now for you to 
upgrade to 250 megabits per second or even a gigabit per second if that's what you so desire. If you do have that need for speed, the good news is that just check with your your go on the NBN website for a start. But there are other companies like I, I know Optus offer the, these kind of speeds. Uh, Aussie Broadband I've been in touch with as well that they actually contacted me saying that you may be eligible for these faster plans. And guess what? I put typed in my address and I was. Uh, they gave me a call and spoke talked me through what's involved with the fibre to the premises installation. So you got to remember that currently with fibre to the curb, there's fibre running along the, my footpath. And then from the pit outside my house, copper brings the signal then into my home with the existing copper line. So it's basically the telephone line that's been repurposed for the internet. With fibre to the premises, I was told you need to have a box installed on the outside of your property, as well as a box, a couple of boxes installed on the inside of your house that then connects to your modem. So you really need to take that into account. So it's not just simply just flicking a switch and suddenly this is happening. The NBN actually has to visit your home, run the fibre that short distance to make up for, in my case, to replace the copper with the fibre and then allow me to have those much faster speeds. Uh, but it does involve a, a decent installation that is, a, as I said, a box on the outside and a, and a couple of boxes on the inside of your house. So you really need to take into account whether, A, you want that, whether you need it, whether you can afford it, because I think the uh, plans through Aussie Broadband, uh, I think it's 250 plan was 129 uh, a month, and the, the gigabit per second was $149 a month. So whether you're up for that, and of course, they're just residential plans. There's also enterprise business plans as well, which offer not more speed, but faster upload speeds. Upload's expensive. There are some that have like a 400 megabits per second upload that cost like several hundred dollars per month, if that's what you need. You might you might be a company that's uploading a lot of data, a lot of, a lot of stuff, then that would be obviously a plan that would suit your needs. But if you're a... Yeah, you know, family, for example, you got a lot of people in the family, and if you're requiring a, a faster download speeds and higher capacity in your in your household, then uh, perhaps this is something worth exploring. But best thing to do, check with you if you're already on the NBN and you are either a fiber to the curb or fiber to the node customer. Check whether this available this update is available if it's possible in your neck of the woods. So uh, yeah, everything uh, everything could. Uh, if you're happy with NBN, then stay as you are. But if you want to go faster, you can. That is the full time siren for Tech Guide episode five hundred and nine. Thank you so much for getting to the end of the show. We're glad you made it. It went very quickly. If you need to find out about anything we've spoken about on the show, of course, you can find that at our website, techguide.com.au. And feel free to get in touch with me. Uh, Info at techguide.com.au is my email. Or alternatively, you can click on the Ask Stephen icon, and that will also get an email to me as well. We want to give a special shout-out, too, to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and also Norton, the company that can keep you and your family and your devices safe online. Please support the brands that support the Tech Guide podcast. Thank you once again for listening. We'll be back with another show next week. So until then, stay safe and stay connected. 